0: Good morning, everyone. All right, so we're going to get started again. We'll be in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 24 through 32. So, Father, we thank you again for another time to be in your house. Lord, you see those that aren't able to be here, the sickness that's among us, Father, those that are passing it back and forth. Lord, we just ask that you would move on our behalf, that you would you would help us each and every one, Father, to overcome the things in our life that are easily beset in us, Father. Thank you, God, for this church and for this people. Thank you for your promises and your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, for what reason? This is this is the first question that I asked, because as we begin Matthew 6 and 25, it says this, For this reason I say to you, for what reason? For what reason do you say this? Well, let's back up and look at 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve God in wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Why? Because it doesn't even matter. We, we believe this here wholeheartedly. Even the money that we get is provided by God. Every single thing that we have in this life is by God. We don't have anything because of our own. We labor and we work. But God even gives us the strength to do that. That's the one thing that people fight and wrestle with, I would suppose that's the best way to put it, is that they really have a whole lot to do with everything that they do. No, you really don't. You make a conscious effort because you're filled with the Spirit of God. Because if you weren't filled with the Spirit of God, you wouldn't even make the effort to be who you are today. So everything, yes, do we have a responsibility? Are we supposed to do? Almost certainly. But we still have to go back to the source and the root of everything, and that was salvation. The fact that God saved us, filled us with His Spirit, and has endued us with power from on high. That is it. That's the only reason we can do what we do. So to be prideful, that's why Paul always says that. I can't boast in any of that. I can't boast in any of the great things that I do. The only thing I can truly boast in is my weakness, because that's truly who I am. Let's just be honest. That's just the honest to goodness truth. What are we? We're weak because we're human. We're flesh. Flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. I love that when he says that the spirit's willing. I know your flesh is weak, but the spirit's willing and the spirit's willing to do and the spirit's willing to drive you through and help you through and move you through. Guys, whenever we don't even know how we're able to do it, I'm talking about even physically. Don't think, that's the other part, don't think that the Spirit and that God can't manifest Himself through you spiritually and physically. Why was Jesus able to endure what He did? Because He was filled with the Spirit of God. We're filled with that self-same Spirit. I wish that um, that Spirit made it to where I never had to endure sorrow, sadness, and being tired. But I'm pretty sure that if we could see what Jesus' life was, there's one of all the ones of the chosen the depiction where they keep coming to Jesus and coming to Jesus and coming to Jesus. I mean, there's just lines and lines and lines. And when he's finished, his his disciples, which are ignorant to everything, just as we are, they're fighting over who and what and all these things. And Jesus has been serving people all day long. That's all he's doing. And they're worried about things that are trivial that don't even matter. And he walks past them and goes, and he's so tired he can barely walk. He can't even take his own sandals off so his mom does it. Now, did that happen in the Bible? No. But could it have been true? Probably. He lived a real life. I, we've all, I say we all have. I think most of us in here, at least the men, we've worked 16-hour days. You've worked a 16-hour day in your life. Or as a mother, you've, you've had a baby and you've slept like six hours a day because you were awake doing your stuff and doing the other. So we all know what it is to spend over two-thirds of the day not awake, guys, but working. And we know how tired we are. Like you drive home and you're not really sure how you get home. But really, it's just usually there's one thing you want to do. Sometimes you want to eat. Sometimes you don't. Most of the time, you just want to be clean and go to sleep. That's how they live their life. That's what I truly believe. That that's how Jesus Christ lived most most of the days of his life. He was so tired that he just, he was done at the end of every day. He just took his sandals off. He washed his feet. He cleaned up the best he could. And he laid down and he went to sleep. Because he knew what he had to have. But he was trusting. Did he? The word says, did he have a place to lay his head? Did he have a bank account? Did he have a job? <clears throat> no, he trusted the Father for everything. And that's all that he's saying right there for this reason. For the reason that we can't serve both. Who are you, are you? Are you living in fear? Because you're worried about the money situation and the stock market and all that. We have zero control over that. Let's be honest. We have no control over anything. God has control of everything, and we just have to ride this out. And that sounds terrible, but what do you think it means to persevere? I mean, I'm not the message Bible this morning, but to persevere just means you got to ride it out to the end. You, you, it, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down, you get back up because we watch plenty of movies in our life, and one person falls down, and the other person walks five more minutes over the top of a hill, and there's salvation. There's freedom. The other person is dead because they gave up. We don't get the opportunity, we don't get the chance to give up, we persevere. This is the thing, in beginning with, for this reason I say, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? So Jesus is, and this is the other thing, Jesus is not instructing us to never be concerned because that's ignorant, okay? But rather to ensure we are placing faith in God to provide our every need, not to rely solely on our own ability to earn money. Here's the other thing, though, and some people see this differently. When God gives you the opportunity to make money and it does not take away from your responsibilities, what are you supposed to do, believer? Make that money because God knows you need that money. And that's every single chance. doesn't matter how tired I am. doesn't matter if they say, hey, can you stay today and I feel horrible? I'm staying today because that's $70 that I make by staying two extra hours. God knows I need that. The Spirit is giving me the opportunity to earn what I need. And guess what? Every single time it, it works out to my benefit. Do I ever get to spend it on things that I won't? Never. But it always is a bill. It's always something, and we can cover it. That's, that's the way that I see this. He's not saying never, never, never to worry. Worry is a hard word. We're going to get down to that one or be anxious. We should, be, we should not be troubled with the cares of this world that we are of no good to the kingdom. That's the second thing. Number one is we need, to, we need to place our faith in God to provide everything, even our ability to earn money. So when we get opportunity, earn the money. The second thing is we should not be troubled with the cares of this world so that we are not of no good to the kingdom. That's second Timothy, I'll read it to you guys, but this is something that all of us have to understand a lot of people right now they're just people always are looking at the news and looking at things and how they're going, and they're really some are really concerned you know the fall, the downfall of society well, guess what all that's already been predicted who <laughs> we are if you read the Bible, especially all the way into revelation, my understanding as I read from. Revelation, I look at them in the wilderness and I look into Revelation and I see the same. It's a parallel. God has prepared a place for those who are His. Now here's the thing. Will we be be able to make it? I don't think we will from here. We would probably be martyred and die. But there is a place during this worst time of the worst when money's not worth anything, when nothing's worth anything, there's a place in the desert prepared for you and I. Those who persevere and make it there. But does Revelations in the book, does it say that some will be martyred? No, it says a lot will. I mean, they're they're martyred and they're under the seat, and they're asking him, when are you go, when are you going to redeem us? Like, when are you going to destroy them for what they do? And he says, it's just a time, just wait, just wait. But there is, he's always taking care of his people. Back in the day, whenever he was leading them out of Egypt, all those plagues that befell everybody else, it didn't befall the the Hebrews. It was just them because God cares and takes care of his his own. So Second Timothy one, it says, ye therefore. Two and one, ye, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many willing uh, witnesses, entrust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's what we do here. You listen, you listen to teaching, you listen to preaching. We trust that you're listening, and that you're going to spread that to other people, not just through your words, but through the way you live your life, because that's what intrigues the individual to begin with. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier, as a good soldier of jesus of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. That means nothing you see on the news, nothing that you see happening around you should distract you so much that you can't serve the kingdom. Y'all, our function is to serve the kingdom in whatever capacity that is. When everybody else is falling apart, we are supposed to be the ones who are still holding it together. Now, you notice I said the things of the world. He didn't say the things of the kingdom because even within the kingdom, we have those just like the deaths and the things that we had. That's still a reality. And we are concerned and we are grieving. But like we had talked about a couple weeks ago, and we're going to hear it again tonight because that's just the Lord. He's the God of all comfort. And there's a season for everything. And sometimes being strong is being weak. And to us, that makes no sense. But it's in our weakness that He is strong and He comes alongside us and we have truly allow Him to do what He wants to do. Oh, that's, that's a wonderful thing. So we're not going to go any farther with that thought, but we have to, Whenever we're if we're worried or we're anxious, we can't be so upset about what we see happening that we're of no good to the Lord. We can't just say like tomorrow, if 14 planes hit all the gas refineries in America and destroy all of them and nuclear power plants, we can't not still we can't not spread the gospel. There's not gonna be any power. Eventually there's not gonna be any gas. But we still have to be who we truly are in Christ Jesus. And if that means that we start a ministry on Big Island, which is what would happen, because that's where we are, then that's what we do. Does that mean we're gonna walk? Yeah, we're probably gonna walk miles a day. But we're still gonna do what we do in the closest house of God or a place that we can find. We don't get to quit. Mm -hmm. We don't just get to stop. We have to be of good for the kingdom. That's what we were created for, was to glorify God forever. But that starts here. We glorify Him here first. We should not be entertaining thoughts that show a distrust or lack of confidence in God's ability to provide for us. That's a sin. People don't like to put it that way, but it is. That's why Paul, he he says, think of these things. Think on these things, brothers. Stop thinking about those terrible things. And then in 4 and 19, all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's not, he said that. My God will supply all your needs. Does he supply all our wants? Most definitely not. Most of our wants we get though. I'm being honest. I have everything I need and a lot of things I want. That's but I, we don't need to distrust God or believe that He can't move on our behalf because things look bad. We don't get that's not that's not faith. That's the opposite of faith. And Second Corinthians nine and eight, along the same lines. These are just verses that that coincide with what He's trying to get across. So nine and eight it says, "And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having." so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed as is written, thanksgivings to God, as is written. That's pretty straightforward too. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that, that always having all sufficiency in everything, that means everything. We will always have something to eat. We will always have something. And guess what? If we don't, then God's grace will cover that. That's what he's trying to say. Regardless of the situation that I find myself in, if it's not physical earthly goods, if it's not the means of being fed, God will feed me somehow. I love what he did with the prophet. The prophet gets all in the mullet grubs, as the pastor says, and he goes and lays under a juniper tree and literally asks to die. But that's not the God that we serve. He loves his people. So instead what he does is he sends ravens to go bring him food. And And an angel wakes him up and says, eat and drink. And he does. And then the angel wakes him up again and says, you got a long time. He didn't eat for another 40 days and 40 nights after that. But that one meal sustained him that whole time. That's what God does. That's what God does. And look, it's easy to sit here and teach this because I've spent over a week wrestling with it. But when you're right in the middle of it, this is not a, re- this is not a reality unless you've made it one. I like that in the military, They whatever word they might want to use, whenever someone says duck, you don't have. If you ask why, you're dead. I mean, that's a reality. This is supposed to, when they talk about soldiers and athletes and things, we are supposed to react to whatever we see according to the Word of God. So for every action that comes against us, there has to be an equal and opposite reaction, just like in physical science. So whenever something happens, I should have the knowledge of the truth and what I should do next so that I just react. I don't have to sit and postulate. I don't have to try and figure it out. I just know what to do. I know the next move. Nine times out of ten, the next move is just to humble myself before the Lord and ask Him for His help and say, "Father, now what?" You know, that's what we're called to do. We're not—we're not called to show distrust and lack of confidence in Him, and we repent for that every day. At least I do. And I don't know where I failed Him, but I know I have. Even you know, I know the places I felt God every day, but I know I felt Him a whole lot more than that. Because I can never live out His Word the way that I'm supposed to. It's an impossibility. So to be anxious in this, when it says in the very beginning that not to be anxious, drawn in the opposite directions, to go to pieces because of the pull of sinful worry, just to lose it. And then to be divided between or distracted from what? From God. So if, if whatever I'm going through has divided me and distracted me from my purpose in life, I've gone too far. Up until that point, guys, you should be anxious every day. You really should be concerned. That's the one thing people read this and they are like, well, we should never No, You should be concerned about the lost and dying around you. You should be concerned about your loved ones that aren't saved. You should be concerned about the things that are going on in the world. Why? Just like the war that's happening overseas, because the word of God literally says that pray for Israel, pray for peace. You should be concerned about that. Romans chapter 9 begins and Paul's talking and he says every single day, I'm grieved daily, like his heart breaks every second and he's sad continually. That, he's, he's sad and he's heartbroken every day because he knows that all of Israel is not Israel. And all he wants them to do is come to the knowledge of the truth. That sounds like he's anxious and he's concerned, but it's for the right purpose. It's for a kingdom purpose. Because when I'm thinking that way, listen, when I'm thinking that way, the way that I'm living my life is way different than whenever I'm worried how I'm going to pay my water bill. I'm just being honest. I don't understand how or what or why, but God does. He understands everything. I've already gotten three checks this month and couldn't understand why I didn't get two of them. I was supposed to get two of them last month, but I had plenty of money last month. Right? Because I sold a vehicle one month and made up for it. And then I, I did something last month and got that money. And I needed that money this month. So 580 dollars worth of extra time that, like after I had surgery, I worked five, on five different weeks, while I was still not great. Yeah. I did the work so that I could get that money because I knew there'd be a time, because the Lord provided me a way to make money for my family when I couldn't. <coughs> and all that money has come in now, and I don't have to worry. Like my bills are paid. You get know what I'm? He's good. And it doesn't. in the middle of it, we don't quite understand why. And we're like, why and why? But we still have every single thing we need. And listen, that's not to say don't go to the church for it because that's what the church is here for. But I didn't have to do that this time. I've done it in the past. God provided. He provided every single thing I needed. But here's the thing. It was in his time. I didn't know why I didn't have that money last month because I wanted it. But I didn't need it. This month I needed it. And now I have it. So he's good like that. So I'm going to continue on in 6 <clears throat> in 27 and who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? You can definitely take them away though. That's one of the things they've learned. Anxiety and all of those things shorten your life. It's very hard on your Cortisol levels damages your heart. It damages grief and sorrow and all those things are very hard on the body. Very, very hard as we all know. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how How the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? I mean, let's just be honest. I wish that my clothes would last 40 years like the Israelites did. But I wear them until I can anymore. Right? They always seem to last way longer than they should. I always have what I need. I may not always have what I want. You of little faith, do not worry then saying, will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And that that thought right there in itself, do you truly believe that? Do you truly believe that God knows what you need and He's going to provide that need? Because guys, if you don't, you have very little faith. And that little faith is, as it's described, someone dull to hearing the Lord's voice or disinterested in walking intimately with him. (laughs) That's the one that gets me because we know Enoch walked with the Lord and he was what? And he was not. That dude didn't, he didn't worry about anything. He didn't want for anything. He just walked with the Lord. And then one day he was taken up, but he didn't worry about it. He walked close with God. He had a relationship with God. So if, a lot of this dull to hearing Lord's voice, you are suppressing the truth. Let's just go back to Romans. That's what it truly is. You know the truth and you suppress it. Because it's easier to be upset and to stay, listen to me, this is true, it's easier to stay mad and depressed and sad than it is the other way around. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy because another thing about science, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Mm -hmm. But yet, that's how life is. I'm just being honest because we are, our, our, like if you hard reset this phone, or whenever you had to reset things, the factory standard, okay? Our factory setting is a sinner. Our factory, set, our factory setting, when you, if we were to be rebooted, is, is a child of hell. And what is that person? Miserable every moment. You get what I'm saying? Like that's the difference between us and them. He never said you couldn't be concerned for the right reason, and you should. Some things should concern us a lot when people are in danger, but we but we can't have so little faith that we're not interested in what His Word truly says. Because I'm telling you all, that's a lot of people's problem. They, they say, well, I believe, I have faith, but they really don't, and you can see it in their life. They don't truly have faith, and that's a scary thing because... Is it? It's not by your. Is it by your faith that you were saved? I know we we get into a whole other thing here, but but faith without works is dead. So that's like I say, that's a whole other thing. But this is a thought to go along with the end of it. God has given us our lives and our bodies. We did not think ourselves into existence. We didn't. We did not create ourselves. Okay. <laughs> God created this. Why should we, while utilizing everything made through His Son? You do understand that's Colossians 1, 15 through 20. So before I go any farther, I'm going to read that. And when I say everything, I mean this coffee cup. I mean this delicious coffee I'm drinking. I mean every single thing that we use was made through him, for him, and by him. So starting in 1 and 15 of Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God, the first of all creation. Talking about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. You know what God looked like? Jesus. Because he was the image of the invisible God. For by Him, that is Jesus, all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. That, that is who we serve. That's who we're supposed to serve. So whenever we sit here and say why should we, while utilizing everything made through His Son, everything that He has, treat God irreverently by living as though He cannot provide for that which He created? I mean, I'm just saying that doesn't make sense. Rational. We're just thinking rationally. Because when we're upset and when we're mad and when we're sad, we don't think rationally. <clears throat> That's just the truth. We think more emotionally. We think with our emotions instead of our logic. So Then he have given us the greater salvation through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. Will he not supply our needs? And we we think of and food is a need. I'm not saying that food, clothing, shelter, we all have that. But do you understand that you've already received the greatest thing that could ever be received ever, and that's salvation. And then he says, because you are mine and I'm yours, because of that. I'm going to take care of you. I promise to take care of you for all of eternity. Not just while I'm here, but for all of eternity, guys. For the rest of forever. Luke eleven eleven through 13. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like this one. I'm going to start at 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Okay, here we go. Now, suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish, just as a regular man, is asked for a fish, he will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And here's the thing is, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and I get that, but it still talks to me and you today, because you're more evil than you are good, and I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. My heart is deceitfully wicked. The Word of God says, even for people, my heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Only God. There's still things in me. Jesus Christ literally says there's only one good, and that's the Father. What's the opposite of good? Evil. There's still evil that needs to be worked out of this vessel. I'm not perfect until I'm glorified on the other side. So if you will give good to your family, we take care of our families. We have and will and will continue to. We even take care of our families within our families. Take care of one another. You don't think God won't do the same? And here's the thing is, I have a limited supply of everything I have. God owns it all. I have a limited supply of money, of time, of God's outside of time. Money means nothing to him. I have a limited time amount of strength. God's is limitless. I have a limited amount of time that I can even stay awake to help you or watch something. God never sleeps. <laughs> I have a limited amount of knowledge. God knows everything. How amazing is that? That's who we serve. And that's who. That's why he's saying, you have little faith. Why does it describe someone who is disinterested in walking intimately with him? Because if you truly know God, like you say you know God, you're not going to have little faith. You're going to know that he's going to move on your behalf. You're also going to know that it's okay to be concerned about things. I mean, Paul and Barnabas, when they're down in that dungeon, they were concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really were. They were concerned about what was going to happen next. The only difference I will say about Paul, Paul got a lot of revelation and a lot of stuff that you and I didn't. Uh, The the Lord has not told me when I'm going to die or how I'm going to die. Paul knew he was going to Rome. It did not matter what happened between the time that they took him from there, how many shipwrecks, how many whatever... Paul, if Paul and I believe Paul believed God. Paul knew he was not going to die till he got there. Now, did he probably wish a bunch of times? Wait, he actually wrote that. I wish that I could pass on. I wish that I could go, but it's better that I stay here. It's better that I be with you. So I will give him that. Paul did know that his expiration wasn't gonna happen till he got to a certain time. We don't we don't have that privilege. You know, like if the Lord told me, Matt, I'll, I just need you to persevere until the rooster crows four times the morning that the sun comes up at six forty. I'd start looking at the almanac and find the six forty I'd buy four roosters. You get what I'm saying? Like but that's why he doesn't do that because we would try to control we would even try to dictate that. Yeah. Because we would rather not be here, we would rather be with him. That's that's just because of who we are. So let's look at Second Peter one, three through four. I'm I'm gonna read the last of the last of this, again, I'm going to read it again, 25 through 33, I mean, 32 again. Then we're going to look at this. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And that's the answer is yes. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't plant anything, they don't reap anything. They get everything from God, just like just like you and I do, whether you want to believe it or not. Are you not worth more than they? Does a bird have an eternal soul? No, you know what makes us worth what we're worth? Eternity. We have a soul. And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory... Clothed himself like one of these. Not even he did. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not more, much more clothe you? You have little faith. That's a terrible thing. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? Why is that? Look who he compares them to. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. <clears throat> We don't have to worry about it because God already knows. They don't have a belief system. They don't believe that there is a God that runs everything, that's over everything, that's sovereign, that saved you, that created you, and that will sustain you to the end. So they have to worry about those things. We don't. You know, the prophet Elijah, he gets finished, and he's under the juniper tree, and the next place he shows up is a widow's house, and they're preparing cakes to die. She's like we got enough oil and enough flour I'm gonna make one cake and me and the boy are gonna die they're in a time of drought It hadn't rained in three and a half years three and a half years and you know why? it hasn't rained in three and a half years because he's told it not to mm-hmm. you know what I'm like like I'm thinking about this that way is he was sad before but now he's told the sky not to rain and now people are literally dying because of what he did and now he happens upon it he's actually having to physically see what God told him to do manifesting itself. But even in the midst of that... Yeah, not just, on the, not just on the unjust... No, no, no. Everybody. Okay? And what do we see, though? We see God move on her behalf, his behalf, and the child's behalf. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, but that's the God that we serve. <clears throat> Lastly, so through salvation, we have obtained what? That's the question. Because it, the last one of the last ones that we read, that's what it was talking about, is we've obtained this, all this through Christ Jesus... First well, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. It says all of those things are Him and through Him and for Him, but through Him we've obtained salvation, which is the greatest of all things you could obtain. So 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. This is, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So a living hope. We have true life. That's 22:22 in the Greek. Life, real and genuine, spiritual and eternal. It's real life. Because I know this is a crazy thing, and Brother Scott and I were talking about that. Whenever these prophets saw these angels, they saw so many things, and you see the depictions of them as they draw them out. They're scary. That's reality. God is real. The the spirit realm is reality. What's real is what will last. None of this is really real. And That sounds like I'm crazy, but this is the truth. Only what's real is what will last. Because you go to Corinthians 13 and he talks about all these things and he says, but there's only three things that will last. Right? And those things are the things that are real. All the rest of this is just it's just something we have to pass through. We're just passing through. But if you make this more real than that, then this is the only reality you'll ever have. My reality is in heaven. This is, I'm passing through. I have to pass through here. God said I had to. But He gave me He gave me a way to do this through Him. He says, the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected." By the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Really? Okay. In this you greatly resource, rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Look at what we have. We have everything. Everything's been given to us. We don't have to worry about things. We don't have to think about things. That's 1 Peter. Look at 2 Peter. Turn to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Now think about what he just said in 1 Peter. You can write that one in because I didn't have that one in there. But go to 2 Peter and let's look at it. Now remember what he just said. Now he's doubling down is what I'm getting at. He's doubling down again. So in 3... I'm going to start from one. Simon Peter, a bondservant, which is a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind of ours by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Life, real and genuine, spiritually eternal, godliness, reverence and respect owed to God. Okay, so we've been given all that. Through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. The true knowledge. What is that? Precise and correct understanding gained through an intimate relationship. We go back up here and we look at this. One who is disinterested in walking intimately with Him. You don't have a true relationship. It is first-hand contact knowledge. It's experiential. You've experienced it. That's, therein lies the difference. So this knowledge, this true knowledge is something you've experienced. Of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. By whose glory and excellence? That of God. God called us by his. Why can we have faith that he's gonna move? Why can we have faith that what he says is gonna pass? Why can we have faith that even when everything is falling apart? Because it's him, it's not me. If I was sustaining myself, I would have been gone a long time ago. But it's the God of it's the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. Is that God, the God that we saw do all those things. That's the God that's taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And then finally in four, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. My gosh. I mean, I'm just saying, if God, if God can take... Well, I know what I used to be better than anybody and make from that what is sitting here today, He can do anything. He can do anything. And I truly believe that. I could go home today and half of the things that's wrong with my house could be fixed. I could go home and have a freezer full of food. Did somebody physically do all those things? Yes, every single time. But I see it happening over and over because God has people and God talks to His people and His people do what He says. Most of the things that we receive, I know that we're all looking for miracles like the miraculous to happen. The miraculous happens every day and it happens through God's people. Yep. God's people that show up and they give you a washing machine because yours is broke. That doesn't seem like a big deal. No, that is a miracle because a normal person doesn't give another person a washing machine for free. I'm being honest. You know, The things that we do for one another on the daily, the, the prayers that we pray for each other, the things we endure for our families, the things that we do, those are, there's, there's little miracles every day. And we overlook them because to us, they're commonplace. And they are, thankfully, because, the, because this side of salvation and the way we live and the people we choose to spend time with, that is common for us because that's the way we live our lives. That is proof that this salvation that we've obtained is so radically different than the rest of the world. That's changed us so much. The world can't even understand when we start talking about having faith and having faith that when everything's falling apart, you think about your grandparents. I do the ones who actually believe, and I would think because I'm younger, the world's falling apart, and they're not even concerned about it. All they do is just continue to love people and to continue to to feed people and to continue to make decisions and to continue. They were persevering the whole time. We just didn't know it. And that's what we need to be to all the generations that are behind us. That's what my kids need to see. Hopefully, someday my grandkids get to see as a man who was about the Lord's business, who persevered, and truly, guys, truly trusted God, Then when everything else was falling apart, I knew that He was the God of all comfort. And I knew that He was the God that did all these things. And for that reason, and because I don't serve money, and I serve the risen Savior, that I don't have to worry anymore. That's why the last two, we we're not finishing it out, because 33 and 34 deserve their own. Those are That's two very big ones, two very big ones, so... I'm going to dismiss this. Father, we thank you again for a time to be in your Word. Thank you for those who are gathered in here today. Father, we thank you for the worship and the praise that we have, the ability to praise you openly, God, to worship you in song, Lord, to worship you in Word. Father, we just ask again that you would touch those who are sick in their bodies, Lord, in their minds, in their spirit, wherever it might be, that, God, you would move on their behalf today, that they would find time to get in your Word, and, God, you would minister to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen say, so